This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, February 11, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. The financial reform of 2010, known as Dodd-Frank, got much of the diagnosis wrong for the financial crisis. So it's not surprising that the prescription is also inadequate. Louise Bennett, the associate director of the Cato Institute's Financial Regulation Studies, comments on those problems and how they'll impact the next big crisis, sovereign debt. You see a lot, or we've seen a lot recently in the press about too big to fail, and specifically, you know, there's there's sort of a debate going on about whether we've solved this problem of too big to fail, and and there's one school of thought, uh, the Tom Honecks of the world, who who argue that we haven't, that Dodd Frank has done nothing to address the problem of too big to fail, uh, that individual institutions are too large, that they need to be broken up and and made smaller, and that that will make um, um, you know, deal with the systemic risk problems that we face. Uh, there's another school of thought that says, no, you can have these large institutions so long as you, um, as long as you monitor them closely. Uh, I, I, I look at it in a slightly different way. I think that the problem isn't that we have an issue of of individual institutions being too big to fail. What happened prior to 2008, I think, was that you found different institutions are governed by different ways of resolving. So if they get into into trouble, they're subject to different types of laws. And, and that creates a lot of complications when you have a multifunctional financial institution. And that's not a problem with the, with the institution. That's a problem with the rules governing, you know, the, uh, the bankruptcy or, or resolution of that institution. So I'll give you an example. If you're a commercial bank, traditionally you're resolved or bankrupted by the FDIC. They come in, they take over the bank, they co- continue the orderly functioning of the bank, then they resolve, you know, they sell the bank or they wind down the operations. And that's because of specific uh, parts of commercial banks. They have to be resolved quickly. They have to be resolved quickly. You want to avoid bank runs. You want to avoid contagion. So, so, they, so, they, so they deal with that. Um, if you are, are a broker-dealer, you go into a proceeding called SIPIC. It's a very long and laborious process. It's it's a little bit more like a bankruptcy process rather than an FDIC process. So you have a an overseer. It's kind of like a judge or a liquidator who who, who looks after the process. It's um, it's not an ideal process. It's probably the least efficient of the processes. Um, obviously, if you're a normal company, you'd go into a Chapter 11 type proceeding under a bankruptcy court or a Chapter 7 proceeding. Uh, so the problem comes in when you are a large multifunctional you know, a financial institution, you could potentially be, and that gets into trouble, you could potentially be subject to all of these regimes at once. And what was missing, I think, in 2008 was an overarching regime which would which would allow some, some authority body, whether it be a bankruptcy court or the FDIC, to come in, take over the holding company, of that institution and make sure that the functions are wound down in an orderly in an orderly way. Um, I don't think that Dodd-Frank fully addresses that. It has provisions for this orderly liquidation authority. That entity that they've created has a number of problems. They can be addressed, but they're, they're, there are problems still with it. Um, and that's been highlighted by a number of, of, of scholars and people. But nonetheless, that is that is the way that you address what I call operational systemic risk. So that's if 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 you know, for example, a lot of these large commercial banks they they're responsible for credit card functions. So if they 
collapse, you know, you need to be able to continue to use your Visa and MasterCard even if you're not using the bank functions. They're responsible for custodian functions. Those are all systemic functions. We obviously want them to continue in an orderly way until such time as the as the institution can be wound down um, without without exposing the taxpayers to risk. And that can be done. You know, that can in, it provided you have the structure in place. So that's what I call. So 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 provided that's dealt with, I think we've addressed the problem of too big to fail at an individual bank level because there's no bank that's so large that they consume the entire market. I think there's always, you know, if, 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 if an individual bank gets into trouble, they can easily... Um, you know, there's substitutability for their for their for their functions. And so, so on. you're talking about a, a situation in which one institution fails, and although it may be costly to the economy to to get these uh, resolutions or this resolution occurring in an orderly manner. Well, well, it's to be clear. I mean, it would be costly to the shareholders, to the creditors of the company, and that's normal for any large you know any large company that goes down. I don't think that's any, there's anything different about banking in that. But room. the point is that we would not be sent into an inexorable tailspin uh, that from which it just becomes more and more difficult to emerge each day. Right. Provided, of course, that whatever event. Uh, you know, affected the company, affected only that that financial company and not the rest of the market. Now, that is where I get into the second type of risk, which which I think is the real issue for systemic risk, and that is what I call market-based risk. And that is when all the market participants are investing in the same types of products and services. And as a result, if they collapse or if, if something happens to the to the value of whatever products and services they're in, in uh, you know investing in then the entire market collapses that's not a problem of one individual institution being too big to fail that's everybody in the marketplace is doing the same thing and whatever that thing is is destructive and we saw that happen in 2008 there wasn't you know there's kind of this enduring myth that Lehman Brothers collapse you know caused the spiral of events well that really just wasn't the case what happened you know you had initially Bear Stearns collapse then you had Lehman you had AIG you had Fannie and Freddie you had concerns about some of the other banks like Morgan Stanley Goldman Sachs and so what was happening was that all of the all of the participants in the market were investing in the same kinds of products, namely these 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 asset backed securities uh, or subprime mortgage uh, securities. And so, when that mark when the bottom fell out of that market, I think Anna Schwartz put it very well in the Wall Street Journal years. Uh, at the time, she said, you know, the, the problem isn't a problem of liquidity. It's not an individual institution problem. The market has lost confidence in the balance sheets of all institutions because they can't believe the value of the assets that are that are contained on the balance sheet. So that was that was a product that ended up not being worth what people thought it was worth. And as a result, you know, the market the market fell apart. That's not a, a too big to fail problem. How did Dodd Frank make any attempt to separate those two problems? There's some attempt in in Dodd Frank to kind of control specific markets. You know, they 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 have a, a new focus on on derivative type regulation. My my concern with Dodd Frank is that I think it ignores the underlying problem of individual participants in the market will potentially make mistakes in how they value assets, how they view risk, they are unlikely to all make exactly the same mistakes. 
unless there is some institutional reason for doing so. So we saw prior to 2008, there were huge incentives. There were, there were all these market distortions created by Fannie and Freddie. There were huge incentives for, for companies to invest in these subprime mortgages, to not look at the underlying value, to not look at carefully at what they were in fact buying, because there, there was this implicit government guarantee. And there were also people just didn't believe that the market would turn down um, because it was being driven by a, you know, by, by a very strong regulatory push. And I think, so I think if you focus on, on systemic risk and you, and you look at how are companies all being encouraged or banks or financial companies all being encouraged to hold the same kinds of assets, the same kinds of capital, the same kinds of industries. And unfortunately, I, th- I think Dodd-Frank doesn't address that because what you see in Dodd-Frank is this kind of inbuilt um, w- w- they sort of encourage banks to be better capitalized, but inbuilt in that is this uh, implicit assumption that being better capitalized means holding riskless investment like sovereign debt. And I think you know a lot of commentators have, have noted this. Sovereign, the sovereign debt market is one of the areas you know that's potentially the next big subprime mortgage crisis. You know we've seen this ha- happening in Europe. Um, where it's not the banks that are unhealthy, it's the it's the governments. But there, the banks are holding an enormous amount of government debt, and so when you rate government or sovereign debt as being a riskless security, you're encouraging banks to shore up their capital by holding sovereign bonds, and the entire structure is 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 set up to push to push funds in in that direction, and, and so that is a huge creation of systemic risk. And I don't think Dodd Frank addresses something like that at all. In fact, I think it encourages it. Louise Bennett is Associate Director of the Cato Institute's Financial Regulation Studies. You can read more of her work at Cato.org.